Hello, welcome everyone to the Olivier Auditorium this afternoon and to the first in a series of three sessions called Talking Hamlet, where we take a look at Shakespeare's play and of course particularly this production of Shakespeare's play in the Olivier, kicking off today with Hamlet himself, Rory Kinnear, and then we'll be continuing uh, two further sessions, a different part of the National with different cast members, and I hope some of you will come to one or both of those. Uh, the production is finishing here on the 26th of January, then it's touring. Where would you say you are at this point in the life of the production, insofar as productions have a life? Yeah, no, I think they, they very much do. And uh, I think when you get that, um, when you're told the dates and you know, okay, it's gonna be a six month run, then you do sort of charter progress through those six months. And if they said, okay, we're extending for another three months, that would sort of throw things out of balance. Mm -hmm. um, obviously a touring, um, Production is, you know, it's each each new week presents its each new challenges, um, and so I've sort of, I guess, been focusing on the Olivier as its own sort of separate unit, um, and but it, it's sort of, I guess, with the size of the part and 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 all its implications, I guess, um, that uh, I, f I found this unlike any other run. I think also working at the National, you're um, you're on for four days and you're off for four days. So that sense of rhythm and is always slightly broken. Um, and so in fact, each little chunk becomes its own own little run. So you think, okay, I've got five or six to do this, this, this block, so I'll pace myself for those. Or if I've only got four, I can give maybe slightly more. Because um, more than any other part, certainly, the, the, the physical challenges of it and the, um, and the need for stamina has been uh, has been has been eye-opening. Uh, I think, particularly um, particularly to begin with, obviously when your stamina is increasing. Um, and we, Nick was very wise in that we started two weeks before the whole rehearsal period started. We started doing the fight, and we we did the fight for the first two weeks. So we thought we thought normally we were fit after those first two weeks uh, before we actually started on the text. Uh, and then you rehearse for seven weeks, and you rehearse in different little chunks and then you start putting it all together. Usually well, to start with act by act and then half by half and then finally a full run. And by the time it got to the first first full run, I was, I was beginning to feel it. Um, and, uh, and then you have the tech and you have 12 or 13 hour day techs and then, and then you do a uh, first preview. Mm -hmm. And that, that day of the first preview, we had done a, our first dress rehearsal during the, uh, during the afternoon. So it was our first time doing it in front of an audience, and it was also the, the second time we'd done it that day. And, uh, and physically, I, d I did find it sort of overwhelming. <laughs> um, but it m more, more than that, I, I found it emotionally overwhelming. Obviously, part of it is the, the cultural cachet of the part and, and this theatre, um, where I've you know, been coming to see plays since I was seven or eight, uh, and indeed saw Hamlet here when I was 12, I guess, with uh, Ian Charlson. Um, so uh, I, found, I found those particular ghosts, I mean, you bring, everyone brings so many ghosts to the players if there weren't enough in, of them in the play itself. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I've, yeah, I, found, I found those quite haunting, but also, also the fact that you've spent seven or eight weeks engaging with a wall uh, a, a meter and a half in front of your face, taking that through the soliloquies. So actually to, to take 1,200 people through through the character's journey and indeed to be as open as you need to be to them. Um, I found, I, yeah, to, on your first preview, to be given the, the character with whom you have the strongest relationship, I, I guess I hadn't really prepared for that. Yeah. 
But interestingly, Rory, if you had several years to kind of think yourself into this part, was it like getting ready to run a marathon since this play, I, of course, is a marathon? But I was quite quick to say, let's, let's not think about it until, until it happens. Um, you know, one was doing other jobs and, um, and, so, and so you were busy and creating other characters. Uh, but also, I tend to not like to think about things until the cast is there, there's a, a sense of company and a sense of togetherness putting on a show. With Hamlet, obviously, uh, I needed to have a bit more preparation beforehand because, because of the lines. But I, so I learned the soliloquies before we started rehearsals, but that was it. Um, and Nick and I obviously had been working closely on, on the text for, I guess, the year and a half before we started. And about a year and a half before rehearsals started, myself, Nick, Claire, um, and an academic called Peter Holland, we, uh, we sat around for a week and just went through an act a day doing preliminary cuts and coming up with pre preliminary ideas, some of which went by the wayside and some of which have, have ended up in the, in the production. So that was a week in which both Nick, I guess, started percolating ideas and indeed I did. But uh, I was very keen not to, to learn lines particularly or indeed have a notion of how I was going to play it before you met everybody else. And um, I guess it's, it's all about that collision of people's ideas and, um, and characters and relationships that, that build up your character. So I didn't want to do it in, in isolation. I just Would you say, following on from that, that there were any ideas you might have had about the play before you came to actually rehearsing it in earnest and then performing it that then changed as a result of doing it, where your expectations were sort of shifted? Yeah, I mean, I guess I studied it for A-level and I studied it at, uh, at university as well. So I felt like I knew the play and I felt like the, I knew the themes upon which you were asked to write essays quite right. well. Um, <coughs> and uh, I guess you, the, sort of the, the limiting thing about actually performing it is that rather than studying in an academic way is that in an academic way you can say, well, this could be like this or this could be like this and you're able to unpick the... The, the multiplicity and elasticity of Shakespeare in so many different directions. Unfortunately, when you have to play it, you have to make a decision. <laughs> um, so I guess making making those decisions was the most exciting most exciting part of the rehearsal process. I guess things that I hadn't necessarily um, been so adamant about before I started but that, that that became more concrete in my mind about the notions of Hamlet's performance madness. Which I, which I very much saw as, uh, eventually came, came to see as being performed as well as uh, alongside an attendant depression and uh, fear. And how much that, the sense of the ghost haunts him um, until, until he's able to uh, prove that it was a real ghost saying real things after the play. Um, and how important that is to him to, uh, I guess, to, to set him off on his mm. um, his belief or indeed his, his attempt to kill Claudius. Um, other things, I mean, the, the notion of um, the relationship between Gertrude and Hamlet, I, I was quite, quite keen and from the off, I think, and, and luckily Nick and Claire seemed to be as well, about removing removing Freud from, from the closet scene. Um, 
which I think is, is a 90-year a hangover that um, just, just doesn't seem to go away. Uh, and I can't see any, uh, any support for it in the text whatsoever. Um, except that, you know, if somebody puts a bed in a scene, then, and, and, and if you get a Gertrude in a, in a nightgown, then people think, oh, it might be exciting to fl fling each other around. Um, but I, I mean, it's a closet rather than a bedroom. I know it's a, a small distinction, but I, th I think it's an important one. Um, and, you know, the, the notions of sons and mothers loving each other, I think it's strong enough in Hamlet's disgust at what his mother's done, and the, the over-hasty marriage and that sense of betrayal, to not have it in a sort of an overtly sexual way. So, you know, it, it arrived in the 1920s in performance, that, that element of it, because Freud was um, the sort of the the hot topic of the day and it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem to have gone away. So we were quite keen for, for that to, um, to take that path. But apart from that, no, it was, uh, it was very much just trying to take the text as seriously as possible uh, and um, trying to understand what they said. And actually, if you, if you think about Hamlet saying to his mother, I'm, I am essentially not in madness, but mad in craft, mm -hmm. if you take that seriously, um, then you've sort of got your answer there. Um, and the fact that, you know, Hamlet says, I just, I think that, you know, that the spirit that I have seen may be a devil. Uh, that's what I'm worried about, you know. So um, there are quite a lot of answers in the play for um, uh, worries and questions that I guess had been a, st uh, a stable of, of learning it, or I mean, of, mm. the, of studying it, uh, that seemed to be obliterated once you got through to actually performing it. The fact that it's a contemporary Hamlet set in, you know, an unnamed totalitarian state, modern modern Greece, was that something that Nick Heitner mentioned to you when he called you in for that fabled meeting in his office, or did that come up much later? Did you have a role to play in, in choosing that idea? No, Nick, um, Nick came to me about a year after he'd spoken to me and said, I, I, I think to do modern dress. And I think, you know, with a play, a play like Hamlet, which is still so modern, and you know, we we were very rigorous about trying to cut out anything that didn't seem immediately comprehensible, both to us and to an audience. And it's still three and three quarter hours long. Um, so, in term in terms of you know, it's the modernity of its uh, uh, you know psych psych psychology and and storytelling. It's it's not a complicated play in terms of understanding. And I think the the distance actors actors of today would have to travel to get back into a mindset of early 17th century is actually a more difficult process and a longer journey to uh, to travel than for the words and universality of Shakespeare's themes and poetry to come up to to come up to our day um, so I, I've done two modern day modern dress Shakespeare's this year and uh, for me it doesn't it never seems to be a problem or it, or it doesn't it, they never seem to jar with some of the themes I mean, in terms of if you're trying to set it in a, a modern British state, the uh, the religious aspect of Hamlet, just I mean, it's an, it, it's, it's too secular a state probably for that for that to land. Um, but you know, in a, an unnamed, perhaps veering towards Soviet satellite state, you still might believe that religion plays just as much a part of state life as it as the security. One thing that occurred to me, though, about watching you do this in a modern dress production is that it releases certain options for you physically. 
that perhaps wouldn't have been possible if you were doing it in period. You know, you can be slouchier, looser, rangier. Was that all something that was attractive? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was, um, I guess I, I looked very much at the sort of notion of the modern prince mm. and you know, seeing the modern princes around us, um, not just our own, but, uh, you know, across Europe. And, and actually they, I mean, they're obviously not your average guy, but <laughs> they are, um, they're a lot less distant than sort of the princes of, of previous generations. And that Hamlet is so bright and so in search of the truth and so self-deprecating that to, to wall himself up in a, sort of a, a stuffy or indeed performed nobility, which I'm sure he, he does do it at public occasions, but in his own private life. I mean, the, the other thing about it is obviously is we don't see Hamlet before his life starts unraveling. So, um, you know, particularly after um, after he's seen the ghost and that period of time in which he is performing the madness with the attendant depression. Um, well, then he can sort of behave however he wants um, and can slouch around. And indeed, the slouching around and wearing of tracksuit bottoms is in itself an act and a, a statement and insurrectionary in some way. So, you know, that's not necessarily the Hamlet that you know, has be, been living for the last 30 years. That's in some ways a new, a new man. That's why you know, Polonius and Gertrude and Claudius are worried about him. So in some ways, the problem with the play is that you don't see enough of Hamlet beforehand. And the, the glimpses that you have of the previous relationships with Gertrude, with Ophelia, and with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, ones that you seem, well, you presume might have been happy relationships or indeed have an element of loving about them. Um, that you don't you don't see them working particularly successfully. So as whenever we got the chance with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and, and when they first come in, before he realizes that they're sort of they have been sent for, with Ophelia when she gives back the um, their um, letters and photos that they've shared, and uh, at the end of the the closet scene with Gertrude, that sense of where, wherever there was an opportunity to show the light beforehand, we, we try to seize it. But in terms of the modern accoutrement available to you, you know, you've got the T-shirts, the smiley face, you smoke during to be or not to be. Tell us how all of those sort of aggregate bits were put together and were there other things that perhaps you did try in rehearsal and then you jettisoned? How, how far did you think you could take it? Yeah, we are, it's funny how um, modern dress uh, productions of Shakespeare only, only work up to a certain level of modernity. Right. Um, <laughs> And we, we, I, I think it's, it's always complicated things when people bring in computers and mobile phones, um, because you know why doesn't Hamlet text a, a text to ratio rather than send him a letter about the pirates? Or maybe there was bad reception on the boat, but um, uh, so it, I mean, it is always an imagined state that that you create in in modern dress Shakespeare, um, but with the inherent and um, implicit theatricality of Hamlet itself and, and all the theatrical accoutrements of it, then, uh, then I think, and it, it's on this stage, which itself looks quite a bare sort of rehearsal stage, um, with, the, uh, with the, 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 the lighting gantry above us, 
um, we're, we're not trying to disguise the fact that it's a play. So with that in mind, we were able to sort of create the state that we wanted to. Something like Hamlet smoking. I mean, he, he doesn't smoke to start with. He only starts smoking um, after he's seen the ghost. I just came, I remember when I got depressed at university, I started smoking, so that just came from, <laughs> that, just came from that. Um, and um, uh, things about, like the, the, the graffiti on the wall when um, he talks about uh, when he first discovers Claudius is, uh, Claudius is a murderer. Um, that came out of, well, he says in my table, immediately as I set it down, so he's, he's writing it down somewhere unless he's saying I'm going to set it down in my brain. Um, uh, and if you just write it down in a book, well, that's not particularly interesting for an audience. So why can't we do some graffiti? What should we do? What kind of graffiti? And I quite liked the idea of it was quite a, um, it was quite a petulant and quite a hopeless attempt at insurrection, just drawing a smiley face with villain underneath it and, and, and thinking that was a, a reasonably triumphant act. <laughs> um, uh, and just thinking, crikey, you've got so far to go. You, don't, you have no idea. Um, and then with the T-shirts, the Nick was very keen on T-shirts being passed out at the, uh, at the play. Uh, and he, uh, he had some other image that I think it was sort of a, um, the Obama Joker image, but with Claudius's face he wanted. And I thought, oh, that's, that seems a bit too modern for, for my liking. Um, so why don't we use the, the graffiti image on it? So that, that's where they came from. But Were there other bits that you tried that you just said it can't really go that far? Um, I don't know. So you know, it's funny when uh, when a production finally opens and it feels okay. Well, that's sort of in some way. Well, m the majority of it is now set in stone. All the other um, experimentation that one did, it sort of goes out of your mind about where, uh, how it how it came to be. You know, who had what idea? It's you know, it all feels like we all take ownership of it and uh, and everything that has been before. Oh, certainly, the um, there was a uh, very long and. Um, complicated bit of business that I was trying desperately to uh, shoehorn in um, when uh, Hamlet first meets Polonius as, as mad. And in fact, um, it now takes place all within Hamlet's bedroom, but it, it originally just took place on the front apron there. And uh, I think I was trying to, there was a security guard who I was, I, I think I splattered a banana into his hair or something. That was <laughs> something rather boring. But um, mm -hmm. uh, then, then within two previews, we, all, we, we shifted it back into the bedroom. So, and that, that's where the stuff in the trunk came and stuff. So, no, uh, I don't really know, I can't remember where bits come from. It's interesting because you mentioned having done two modern Grish Shakespeare's in the past year, of course, this and Angela and Measure for Measure at the Almeida. But you've also been in two modern Grish Hamlets, this and the one six, six and a half years ago at the Old Vic with Ben Wishaw as Hamlet when he was 23, I think, mm. and you were playing Laertes. What was your experience, obviously you weren't playing Hamlet, but you were rehearsing the play. How did that experience feed this experience and also clearly working with Trevor Nunn who directed that production, who must have had something to say about it, versus Nicholas Heitner directing this production, must have been a really interesting mosaic of opinion about this play. Yeah, I mean, what I found as soon as one was asked to play Hamlet is that a lot of people have opinions about Hamlet um, and they're not shy to share them. Um, so uh, it, it wasn't just that I'd, uh, I'd had Trevor's vision and then there was Nick's and th these were the only two pillars of information that I had on the topic. Um, doing it at the Old Vic we had four weeks rehearsal I think or maybe five I think four. Um, doing it here you know we had seven weeks on the text, two weeks with a fight and you know three years to talk about it. 
Um, so uh, there was a lot, of, but a lot more air around this this production, I guess. Um, also, playing Laertes, you're not there for much. Um, so particularly, you know, the, the great central arc of the play, I had no real knowledge of at all in <laughs> performance because I, I lived 10 minutes walk away from the old Vic, so I used to go home. Um, uh, and the European football championships were on, so I, I, I could get an entire match in. Um, so I, I, luckily, I obviously knew that this was coming up. I, luckily, I, I was unencumbered by uh, Ben's performances because I hadn't really seen it. Mm. Um, uh, so, but um, you know, obviously, Trevor is, Trevor is a master when, when it comes to... Um, unpicking Shakespeare, uh, and pro probably a lot of my understanding, understanding of it comes from um, how, how facile he makes the text for people. Um, but uh, uh, because, you know, one's relationship started with a play when one was 16, it's, uh, you, you forget where things have been opened up for you. But for somebody, Rory, who has as much experience of this play, both academically and experientially, there must nonetheless be a sort of paradox whereby when you come to actually perform it, you have to leave all of that to one side and just let the play kind of take you over. How, how, does, that, how does that actually happen? I mean, you can't act an exegesis about the play. You have to act the play. Exactly. Um, so. but I've, 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 I rarely bring uh, academia into the rehearsal room, I have to say. I, I, um, that's, I mean, it really helps, you know, if Nick and I go through, go through a play and come up with cuts and, you know, making decisions on the text. And I'm, you know, I'm under no illusions that the fact that I, I was, um, I had a, a great teacher at A level who, who taught me Hamlet, and then um, I've studied at university. I'm under no illusions that that gives me a great facility to at least understand Shakespeare. And it means, having done an English degree, it means that when I sit down around a table on the first day of, of reading through a play, I know that if I don't understand it the first time, probably by the second or third, I might understand it. But you know, to not fear the text, I guess, because because they are largely comprehensible. Um, but at the same time, as, yeah, as soon as you start rehearsals, it's about it's the same as for any any part you play. It's making decisions on your character, his relationships, the, the, the life he's had, what's important about what he says, um, and so it, in many ways, playing Hamlet is no different to to any other part that you play. It was very funny. The you know one's obviously known about it for a couple of years, and the um, the way that people spoke about it to to me, um, it w it was almost always in negative terms about it being a burden or about it being cr crikey, what a what a challenge! Not even as positive as a challenge. Um, uh, someone someone did say yes. Oh crikey, what, what a terrible terrible burden that must be to know you have to do that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> thinking, you know, it was like having to swim across shark-infested waters, mm. um, and I just never, never, ever saw it. I think also, that, that again, to, to people think you will be weighed down by the history of it, and actually, the history of it is entirely releasing, because you know the play will be done again. Mm. <laughs> people won't, people won't pack up their bags and say, "By Jove, he's done it. Uh, mm. We don't need to try again." Um, and, and equally, it has been done before. And I remember about week three or four of rehearsals, I, I made some suggestion to Nick, and then I think somebody said, oh, no, I think I saw that in 1983. But I said, I can assure you, every decision I make about this will have been made before, but the collection of decisions will be unique. So, um, so I guess that's, that's how I, I looked at it. 
and also um, yeah, that, that sense of freedom that you're being asked to respond to this play, you know, it, it will be over in six months' time. <laughs> if, if it means something to people that see, see it, fantastic. If it doesn't, it will be done again. I'd find a greater pressure if one was handed a, a, a perfect new piece of writing mm -hmm. and you knew that the production you did of it was probably going to um, sink or sink or swim it for the, you know, for it, the future of that play. Yeah, for the next 20 years of that play. Or, mm. um, with this, no, I, I just found it a great, you know, a, a great freedom. Well, I don't know if you were at the talk that Nick Heitner gave about Hamlet in this uh, auditorium, but he paid you the compliment of, uh, well, several compliments, but one of them was that he, at one point very early on, you did, oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I, and, and he said to the audience that he realized at that moment all he had to do was really sort of look on and, and edit, that it was, it was all there. And then he said, you know, what's great about this company is that they act at the speed of thought, and that makes the, the language come alive in, in a fresh way. But I, I'd be curious to hear your take on that, acting at the speed of thought, not playing them as set pieces, but somehow investigating it anew. How does one actually do that? Um, as I was sort of saying earlier about the notion of just just um, just treating the, the words as they come and trying to shake off the shackles of, of history. Mm -hmm. um, and how these words, re you know, how this character is shaped by what's going on. Um, to try and make the soliloquies as connected to the drama um, as possible. Um, you know, the one that is probably the most difficult is to be or not to be. So, you know, to, to build a way of, you know, we thought about cutting it, but you can't because people, be, <laughs> people, are, people are waiting for it. Um, but, um, yeah, so to, to, to locate that in, you know, you know from, from where does Hamlet come saying that. Um, and uh, I, I think the thing with, with Shakespeare that because, you know, because it's a, they're big plays, because they take time to perform, and you, you can occasionally think, oh, well, should I just hurry through this? And, and you can't hurry through, can't hurry through it. Um, obviously, you know, when you have the thought, that usually means you're speaking. Um, and that those have to be uh, married up quite closely. But I think yeah, to, that, that there are so many different thoughts mm. that you, ca you can take the time to mark them. And you know, in some ways you have to say, it's, it's good enough writing to hold up people's mm. interest. Mm. That don't, don't apologize for its epicness. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess that was sort of our, our, our thinking is that just, just try, if you make the thoughts as clear as possible and you, and you know what the thoughts are and it's marrying up with the text, then, then hopefully it will, uh, it, it will hold an audience's interest. Well, you talk about the fact that there are so many, so many thoughts, and of course, there's so many. You know, the place so variegated, the role is so variegated, and you know, one reads about oh, so and so was a very antic Hamlet, or a manic Hamlet, or a comic Hamlet, or a, an aggrieved Hamlet. Did you have a sense going into it of what you wanted the adjective preceding your Hamlet to be? Uh, I, 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 I just would, would just wish that no one would put one word <laughs> um, with your hammer. I guess that's the thing that you're hoping for, <laughs> uh, that you won't be reduced to just an adjective. Because um, you've worked so hard. Um, uh, so no, that I was, I was, I, I, I guess the, the thing um, about doing Shakespeare that, uh, that means the most to me is that, uh, is that an, an audience understands it. <laughs> um, and then an, an audience 
goes very easily with that character's journey, or indeed with the whole play's journey. And you know, for me, it's about sharing the language with an audience. Um, and if I can do that, if I can facilitate the words, um, and I don't mean this as a sort of um, to beat myself with humility, but uh, I, I do think that we as the actors are, are, are largely the least important element of it if we are sharing the language. Um, I mean, obviously, we are, the, we are the funnels for it, but uh, uh, so if, if anything, I would like to be, I, I would like to be an understood Hamlet. Mm -hmm. What is the difference, beyond the obvious scope of this stage, in doing Shakespeare in the Olivier and then, or proceeding here at the Almeida, seats 320 something, very confined, what, what sort of contrasts are there there? Well, I mean, they were, both roles obviously have uh, engage an audience in that they have soliloquies. Um, I, I don't know why it peculiarly, but I find this incredibly intimate space, and uh, I find it incredibly empowering. Um, and actually, you know, if you uh, if you have an audience's attention, you don't have to work too hard in a space like this. Whereas actually, somewhere like the Almeida. Or indeed, the Almeida, you um, you can be disconcerted by its smallness, and where actually you do have to work a, a lot harder than you maybe think just by looking at it. Um, I mean, they're two di different roles. I mean, with Hamlet, you can't really you can't really be anything but open, and and Angelo's problem is that he can't be open. Mm. Um, so you know, it's just it's just a much more expansive role. And it's so much you give so much more of necessarily of your own self, um, even though you are playing a character. Um, with Angelo, Angelo was very much a creation, um, and, and Hamlet feels like feels like an extension of oneself. So, thanks very much to all of you for coming, and particularly thanks to all for being here.